was over four centuries ago when the first English settlers strove to establish a foothold there. Today, Jamestown Island lies beautiful and serene, protected and preserved for future generations to experience. Red-winged blackbirds flit among the cattails, and squirrels frisk and scold in the branches of hickory and loblolly pine trees. The place seems entirely unaffected by its tragic past, but here it was that venturesome Englishmen struggled and died, fighting disease, drought, and despair. Indeed, it was the island itself that brought death and misery to great numbers, for the foul-smelling marshes and the brackish water of the James, which the settlers unwittingly drank in the first days, were at least as deadly a threat as the native peoples who far outnumbered the newcomers. The colonists had been instructed by the Virginia Company of London, which financed their settlement, to avoid any low, damp places for habitation. But they had also been ordered not to settle too near the coast, for Spanish ships might appear at any time in the Chesapeake Bay. Jamestown Island was at a narrow point of the river which was easily defended. It boasted a deep water port where ships could tie directly to the shore. And that is why, weary and sick of the sea, the English selected a strip of land so marshy that more than half its area was unfit for habitation, and where no settler's home would ever be more than a few hundred yards from a stagnant, mosquito-infested marsh. Viewed from the air, the light green marshes of Jamestown curve in serpentine fashion, opening up into reedy vistas between tall pines. The names that Jamestown settlers gave these boggy features appear in old records and are still used today. In the northwestern corner of the island lies triangular Back River Marsh, fronting upon the curving water boundary on the north that separates Jamestown from the mainland. The pitch and tar swamp snakes through the middle of the island from the northeast to the southwest. The numerous loblolly pines which edge this marsh inspired its name. Settlers extracted pitch and tar, vital naval stores, from the trees in an early attempt at industry. Gallows Swamp is a sinister reminder of the public garden where hangings took place. Largest of all the marshy places is Goose Hill, which is no hill at all. It is today an almost impenetrable, pathless region, but long ago rude dwellings stood where solid ground could be found. Though the colonists sometimes referred in their records to the settlement as James City, it was never more than a small town or village. At the height of its development, around 1676, there were not more than 50 or 60 structures. Of any of these early buildings, very little has survived above the surface of the ground. As the old families, the ancient settlers, moved away, the buildings were torn down, burned, or simply fell into decay. A half-ruined brick church tower is all that can be seen of 17th century architecture. A shell of a brick mansion constructed by a plantation owner is the only above-ground reminder of the 18th century.
Although only these two brick ruins survive as tangible reminders of Jamestown's colonial past, the history of Jamestown and what it meant to the new nation remained in memory, as well as preserved in court records and government proceedings. In 1807, and again in 1857, Americans met at Jamestown to commemorate the important events that had taken place there. Speeches were made and toasts were drunk. But no one thought of preservation. Indeed, even the most appreciative visitor might be likely to carry away a bit of brick or a pottery shard which was lying on the surface of the soil as a souvenir. Then, in 1857, an artist-writer named Benton Lossing happened upon the scene, seeking long-neglected historic sites in Virginia. The desolation and decay that met his eye that day in old Jamestown shocked him.